Well, hello there and Merry Christmas coming up to our celebrators of Christmas. Happy holidays to everyone. Happy holidays, Bridge. Welcome to Romance at a Glance. I'm Bridge. This is Shawnee. We are here today with our final author interview of 2020. That's a good one. Oh, I'm so glad that we saved this for last. Yeah. I feel like we're going out on a bang. Bang. On a bang bridge. On a bang. <laughs> One might say we're going out to pound town. Pound town. <laughs> you know Ari is nasty. Yep. And I like her. Yep. I am here for you, Ari. <laughs> Plus, this is a super special final episode because we also talked to her audio narrator, Shawnee Approved, mm. and he gave us the dirty deets on recording ribbons and O's. Including some baby making. Hey, oh. And let me tell you, I got some uh, first-hand knowledge with that, too. <laughs> My, minus the babies. <laughs> <laughs> but the making, you were trying. I was trying. Trying. <laughs> and because he came on the show, R.E. Hargrave is generously giving out five, that's right, five, audiobooks for free to our U.S. and U.K. listeners and a signed bundle with ribbons and O's and the other BDSM Christmas novella, Brooklyn Blues. Dang, can I enter? No, Shawnee, Shawnee, we're hosting the giveaway. But I want it. Okay, well, you can't. (laughs) Okay, fine. Then I'm gonna need all y'all out there to enter. You know, this is an interview, not a review. But let me tell you right now, that book is hot. And let me tell you, it is my go-to quickie. It is on my go-to quickie list for the year. And even though it's a Christmas book, I mean, you could read that book all year. You want you want Christmas in July? You want Christmas at Valentine's yes, Day? Yes, I do. Read this book. It'll get you there and <laughs> lickety split. <laughs> well, on that note, let's get this interview popping. Let's get it popping. Pop, 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 popping. Romance at a glance. Uh-huh. Romance at a glance. What you saying Romance now? at a glance. Go ahead, girl. Okay, everybody, we have author R.E. Hargrave with us. You guys, her first name is actually Rachel, so we will be calling her Rachel because she said we could, and it's very <laughs> exciting. And also, we want to give big props because she was nervous to come on the podcast. How could she be nervous with me and Shani? Shani, what do you think? I mean, come on, come on. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel, thank you for being here. Howdy, thanks for having me. <laughs> Excited so, to be here. <laughs> Excited to have you. The big thing I want to talk to you about, Rachel, and this is a serious question, is Uh-oh. sex at Christmas. Because it took us a long time to find books that had sex at Christmas. They're all like a divorced woman goes back to a small town and has a closed door romance <laughs> that leads to a baby. Or a woman with a baby whose husband died goes back to a small town and finds love again. Second, and, second chance at love. Yeah, second chance at love. Oh, Okay, okay. You're, you're talking about my very first book that was ever released, Sugar and Spice. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> that one was a... Because it was a PG. Um, my daughter was nine at the time. She's 17 now, a senior in high school. Uh, but she was an avid reader. And I I had the Divine Trilogy coming up. You know, I was working towards publishing on that one. And um, they wanted, the, the publishing house wanted to do just a quick Christmas anthology. And I was, I had three weeks to be able to write something and get it submitted. So it wasn't going to be very long. And I was like, you know what? Before I launch this hardcore BDSM erotica stuff, wouldn't it be nice if my very first book ever released was something that my kids could pick up and read? <laughs> you know? <clears throat> so we, we, I came up with Sugar and Spice. My nine-year-old was actually my first pre-reader on it. 
she would sit at the laptop and and read through it and you know she's got her own signed copy in her room now (laughs) but that that one was kept very sweet you know single mom kind of thing living in small town South Carolina Uh, her dad is a landscaper kind of caretaker out at the retirement home and because of the situation all the people in the retirement home have kind of adopted his daughter and therefore her kid as their honorary kid and granddaughter and so it's just just it's all of this very small town family good good feeling whatever um and you know stranger comes to town who happens to be the son of one of the residents at the the retirement home and things go from there and of course you know it ends up kind of going through the seasons and it ends at Christmas so I I, I consider it a Christmas book because you get to the the big finale ending at the end but it's yeah it's that super sweet you know yes some stuff happens clearly but it's all fade to black it's off screen (laughs) and then I got the trilogy out there and then I started getting a little more daring. I got feedback on that. People seem to really like the way I do BDSM. (laughs) And uh, I did, like I said, I did Brooklyn, uh, Brooklyn blues first. It actually kind of surprised me when you guys reached out for ribbons and O's because it hasn't gotten the attention that Brooklyn blues blues did. So I'm, I'm happy to be giving this one a little more attention. Uh, But with Brooklyn blues, it started my whole stripe stocking story. Concept. I love the cover. Yes. The cover is so fun. That was the other, honestly, that was one of the reasons I chose it. So I, to be, to be full disclosing about the kind of reader I am, I will of course read Brooklyn blues before we do our <laughs> podcast recording. Cause I can't just like read one book, like a normal human being and then stop. I have to just like consume them all. So I'm sure I will be reading that imminently. Um, but the reason I chose it is I just love the cover. Like, first of all, I wanted a steamy, steamy Christmas mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. this whole season is was about the steam. So I wanted a steamy <laughs> Christmas. I, I think and this would also. <laughs> so I loved the description. Uh, the reviews were good. There weren't as many, but they were very good. And I, I just love the cover. I love the stripes. I love. I mean, it was just like screaming Christmas. But then he wants to go home to London in his playroom, and I was like, "Does he? <laughs> What's going to yeah. happen?" There, there, there is a sequel started, and Ooh. that one will come out um, kind of again in this whole stripe stocking story. You know, I use the hashtag for that. The concept on that is as I as and when I get around to doing them, they're going to be little short stories. They will be holiday themed and they will be a BDSM. Um, this one will pick up at this, the you know, the sequel will be an Easter one, okay. kind of, you know, spring Easter. I have a couple of Halloween ones that I've started, <laughs> but, you know, the cover work will have some kind of, you know, the, the striped stockings on them one way or the other. They may, they won't always be red and white. <laughs> Obviously, you know, Halloween's probably going to be like purple and black or, you know, yeah. black and white or whatever. The the Easter ones will get into pastels and whatnot, but you'll always see those those striped legs on the cover somewhere and, and you'll know it's holiday and you'll know it's BDSM. <laughs> I have never been a big novella reader before we started this podcast. And since we started a year ago, I've now read a lot of them. Um, and I am finding that they can be a little hit or miss, just like any novel, because sometimes mm-hmm. they're a little too short and you're like, oh, I needed a little more meat. And then sometimes you're like, this is a novella, but it's still like 180 pages. And I really wanted something a little shorter. And so I, it's a really tricky balance to have a full 
narrative where you like connect with the characters and actually care about what's happening, but also like that it's like has enough tension and steam to, mm-hmm. to get to that sweet spot. So how do you balance that? Cause you did, I spoiler everyone. I liked her book and <laughs> thank you. I think you did a very good job with that. Um, for me, a novella usually lands somewhere between 15 and 20,000 words. Okay. Uh, I I'll, I'll have a concept. I'll, I'll come up with the concept and I'll know where I want to get to in the end, maybe, or I'll just have a flash of a scene, you know, and I go, okay, somehow I have to do a story around this <laughs> and I'll, I'll start laying out characters. I, I write out a, a real general summary for myself, which usually ends up getting morphed and involves into the, the blurb that'll go up, you know, when it gets published but that kind of gets gets me started. I build character profiles, you know, as I'll, I'll lay out names and start putting, you know, height, traits, uh, quirks, all that kind of stuff, their physical descriptions and that, so that I have that to build on. And then I just start writing. And I, as I write, I'm a pantser, I'm not a plotter. I let characters just suddenly pop in you know from the other room or show up or whatever and it's like oh where'd you come from well okay come on in let's make a spot for you (laughs) you know and and they get worked in um very rarely does a character get mentioned just for the sake of a a, a passing by usually if a character talks loud enough (laughs) to want to be there they're going to be there and they're going to be pertinent to the overall story uh, <laughs> I, like you said, I get a lot that the whole thing about the stories being short, they wish they were longer, but they can't complain that the story's not done with my novellas. I, a lot, a lot of readers will tell me, you know, I, I love it. I just, I want more of the world. <laughs> can, can you bring these, these people back? Um, and i I also get a whole lot of, I love your side characters there's the the trilogy i keep referring back to that because it is it all told that was like 260,000 words between the three books and you know over written over a few years but the journey that they you've got the main couple that go through all three books but then there are so many side characters that come in i've actually got a um a set of spinoff when i get around to it it's going to be a compendium of divine delights or something like that for it, but mm-hmm. it's going to be the little side stories for, you know, the side characters. Some of it will be back before the trilogy happens. Some of it will be post-trilogy, you know, for where they've gone because readers fall in love with the different stories of the other characters. And I, I'm not sure how I do it other than <laughs> they talk to me. They come to me and say, here I am, you know, let me be in the story too, please. And they they reveal their personalities. They, you know, they give it to me, and I I put it down on the page. <laughs> so you're also an editor. Were, yes. Have you been an editor for your whole career? Um, I guess no. Like I mentioned earlier, I got started in the fanfic world, the, the Twilight fanfic world. Uh, the trilogy, mo- everybody knows the the second book in the trilogy was actually to serve as divine, the fanfic. And I pulled to publish it, moved that title to the first book, which I wrote 
you know, from scratch. And then I also wrote the last book, Surreal, <clears throat> you know, rounding out the story. Of course, the, the as the fanfic, it it was, you know, fit. It was Washington. It was Edward Bella, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> uh, I moved it to Texas. You know, backstory, my, my main heroine is Irish. The, the guys in it, you know, are, are Texan guys with, with their lovely Texan rolls. And I completely changed it up. I mean, if you know it's Twilight fanfic, you could you can kind of find things and probably go, oh, well, this character was probably this, you know, this person or whatever. But it, it was so much more than just a name change when I pulled to publish. You know, I, I recreated the world. I built out the world. <laughs> um, when I was in the fanfic world, I was also a go-to beta for people. You know, I would beta read and stuff. It was a learning curve. You know, I, I, the way I edited stuff back then for fanfics is not how I edit now. I've, I've obviously learned a whole lot more going through the actual publishing process myself and having editors get their hands on my things, you know, you, you know, as you uh, interact with people in, in the indie world, other editors, other writers, you learn as you go. And the, the longer you're in the, in the world, the more you learn, the better you get. I've looked back at some of my old stuff now and I cringe. <laughs> um, it was, I don't know, maybe five years ago or so. I'd actually have to go back and look and see when I actually started taking editing jobs, you know, for pay. And, and that I had to be convinced to do. People kept telling me, you need to stop doing this for free, you know, <laughs> Start put a bill on it. Even my husband tells me now you're not charging enough for what you're doing. <laughs> you you need to have more self worth. Whatever it's like, but the indie world, you know, everybody's everybody's tight, and we all want to help each other. <laughs> for what I charge, I I have the flexibility of making the authors understand it's probably going to take a month or so, you know, for a full turnaround. But I you're going to get a a word by word, punctuation by punctuation edit from me. The first two passes, I, I look at every last thing in that manuscript, down to looking for those extra hidden spaces at the end of a paragraph where the writer will, in, you know, we, we sit here going along and we'll, we'll hit a space thinking we're going to continue on that paragraph, but then we change our mind and we return and go down and start typing again. Well, you've left that little hidden space there, which when it goes to your formatter, could potentially jack up your book <laughs> in formatting. It's going to put ex end up putting extra spaces. I, I go through and try to find those hidden spaces and pull them out from my, my authors as well. And it's because I enjoy helping shape stories. I'm also a little bit, people tell me I'm a, a grammar Nazi and, you know, <clears throat> I, I get up in my stuff. This lets me be able to read a book and still put my opinion in there and go, well, I would fix this here. <laughs> it makes me a little bit snotty, but. Well, somebody, I mean, I feel like somebody's got to do is. it. Somebody's got to do it because like one of the problems, so I'm, I'm actually, I'm super happy that the barrier to entry for authors, you don't have to go through a publisher anymore. Like anybody can do it. But the flip side of that for me is that the quality, the general quality yeah. has gone way down and you get a book that you think is going to be good. And you're just like, what, how did this make it through edit, like editing and this, did it even make it through editing? You know, uh, and yeah, I think you, you realize that they, they banged it out and had a friend read it and had the friend go, Oh yeah, I love it. It's great. And so yeah. then they hit publish. 
And it's like, oh my God, you skipped so many steps. So you, you should never think that you could start at the beginning of the month writing a book and it's going to be published by the end of the month. That's not enough time. No. It's- and and it's hard because like what like, you know, for me, I'll give an author like two chances and then I won't <laughs> pick up another thing from that author. You know, and I think sometimes that the fact that people are like just trying to get stuff out so fast. Mm-hmm. Um you know, sometimes makes it so that they're not actually capturing those first readers um, or whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I, there's a disconnect to me too from, um, because I mean, I grew up in writing fan fiction as well. And so when you jump from writing fan fiction or, and serials to writing a book, there's Mm -hmm. also a disconnect. I'm reading books where I'm like, Oh, you definitely were a fan fiction author and you haven't figured out how to, um, not make your your book sound like a fan fiction and then there's a huge disconnect for me in that as well um and so it's where I'm also like very happy I'm like okay people are making that leap and doing that I'm also like wanting to encourage everybody to like hey get a real editor somebody who does this professionally to go through it's great to have your friends read it and give them feedback but you you need to get some non-biased you need people that aren't your besties that, you know, that you're actually paying them to go in and tear your shit apart <laughs> and so that you have to piece it back together. You'll usually find that you can make the pieces fit tighter and neater. And, you know, I've, I've made my authors cry with editing and I feel awful, but their end product ends up being so much better. And I've seen my authors actually get awards for their books. And, you know, it's like, that's love though. Yeah. Have you found a an, have you found an editor for your own books that you are now sort of sticking with, or have you been trying to find a good fit? Um, the editor that I fell in love with that did the trilogy for me that I worked with, uh, she's does she doesn't edit anymore, uh, unfortunately. Real, real, real world and everything just got to be too much. It was too much pressure, and so she's she's kind of pulled back. Um. I will be completely honest on the novellas. I, uh, <clears throat> I self-fed it. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're short. They're quick. I go through them the way I, I don't just vomit, right? I edit, right? So, I mean, by the time I've got a paragraph down, I've probably reread and redone that paragraph 10 times already. And by the time I hit the end, I go back through and it, there's probably another three passes that I do. Um, I do have with wanted because it was a full length. I did pay a proofreader to go in after I had done all my passes and, you know, she caught a couple of things here and there. And then when I did the arcs, um, a handful of people came back and said, well, I noticed this or this or this. And I was like, okay, great. Thank you. You know, I pulled the, the file back up and was able to go in. I'm confident enough. <laughs> in my own writing but, and by the time that I actually get one out that another editor probably is not going to find that much more but like I said I also don't bang these books out I I take years to write a book so I've I've gone back and I've started from the beginning so many times because anytime I'll I'll, I'll I'll get a little pocket of time I'll be able to work on it for a week or two and then you know the ed- next editing job will come up whatever and so that gets backburnered again and it might be six months before I open that thing again so I'm right back up to the top darting over 
and I'm just, and at that point, I'm a reader to the story, the way I'm concerned, and I can just read straight through, and I'll catch things, and I'll make notes, <laughs> and, you know, yeah. and then I start reworking it, so. <clears throat> You're in a unique position. I feel like that a lot of <laughs> other people are not, they're they are not editors, but I, that what you're talking about, about like uh, letting a book sit for a long time and then going back mm-hmm. um, is like a thing in music that we call demoitis, which is like when you make a song mm-hmm. um, and then you can't hear anything that's wrong with it. Like you, you <laughs> love it. You're like, oh my God, I love it. This is the greatest song I ever did. Right. And then, mm-hmm. so you, 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 you've listened to it over and over and over again. You can't hear shit. Six months later, you like you put the song away. Six months later, you pick it up. You're like, oh, oh, God. Oh, God. <laughs> There's a lot of things wrong with this. <laughs> tweak, 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 tweak. <laughs> tweak, tweak. Then you can go in with fresh eyes and ears and, and mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. So definitely. Have you, have you gone back into any of your older things that were already published and like read them again and been like, Oh, I'm going to upload a new file into something that's been published. Or do you typically like now you've moved on? Like once you feel like it's good enough to publish, it's good enough to be out there. At that point. Yes. I'm, I'm like I said, as long as it's taking me to get stuff up, I tend to just, I, I let it slide where I have tweaked is the audio version might be a little bit cleaner than the print version because by the time we've gotten around to doing the audiobook, you know, I like I said, I, I go through and I highlight, you know, and which means I'm going through that whole manuscript again, breaking down who needs to do what part. And because of that, I'm back in that manuscript again. And so I will catch things <laughs> and I'll tweak little things there, you know, so if you, the audio is probably going to be the best version of my books you're going to get. <laughs> it's going to be the most recent that I've, I've dabbled in. Okay, you guys, we have a special treat today. We actually have the audiobook narrator, one of the audiobook narrators of Ribbons and O's here with us today. Trevor is here and he's going to give us a breakdown of how it all happened and how he comes up with those dulcet tones that get us all going. <laughs> Hi, Trevor. Thanks for being here. Hi, I'm happy to be here. Well, I feel like we should just dive right in. And I, I really would like to know, Trevor, how do you feel about just a bunch of people getting off to your voice? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it, it's fun. I mean, it, it's fun to create worlds and to uh, to take the words, you know, that, that authors write and the steam that they create on the page and uh, to bring them to life in a sense. Um, the, the voice is powerful and it moves certain people in ways <laughs> that causes them to move sometimes. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it just, you know, it, it's, I, I don't really think a lot about the other end, you know, I just to get into the character as much as possible and to inhabit what's going on and to communicate, you know, what the author is trying to do and, and hopefully that works. And, and at least for a moment the the listener can lose themselves um literally or figuratively or both i don't know <laughs> how, how, however however it, however it works and uh and yeah so yeah i don't i don't i haven't thought a lot about you know kind of what goes on you know behind the, the scenes <laughs> though though um though i as as i've encouraged uh, rachel and others um you know i, I think there's a whole world of 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 romance audio 
that um, about behind the scenes of creating it, which which uh, another book I recently did with, with Rachel deals with, as well as on the receiving end. Um, so uh, believe it or not, I was in conversation earlier this week with someone in the film industry who was asking me about um, this kind of similar dynamics of narrators speaking and receiving and, and who the primary audience is and what a film would look like about, um, it was a female character in this case, who's obsessed um, with audiobooks and the fantasy world they create. Um, so yeah, I don't, it, and it, at some point the, the, the media are going to merge, um, where you have the audio voice and the visual and it's all kind of coming together. Um, yeah, I think there's some interesting synergy. That was a long answer to a very simple question. That was but. a good answer. We liked, we <laughs> like we long like. answers. We are long talkers. We are all for it. Rachel, I am yes. hearing the sweet, sweet tones of his voice. How did you choose him? How did you find Trevor? <laughs> Actually, he reached out to me on one of the first books I'd put up. Um, I got Holly Jackson to do my Divine Trilogy, which was my BDSM Erotica Trilogy. But from there, I started listing uh, my short novellas up. And I had put up um, Unchained Melody, which was is another novella, but it's a Air Force uh, fighter pilot who has kind of a one night stand before he's shipped off and he spends the next 10 years reliving that one night stand and wondering what if, and you know, whatnot. I think I had the audition up for like six months or so. And I, I, nothing was right. <laughs> every, every, you know, audition I got, it was like people were either too rushed or it was just too over the top or whatever. And then I, I got this, this audition from La Petite Mort. And it was like, it was perfect, except for being just a little bit fast. And so I had replied back. I'm like, you know what? I think this is going to work, but could you slow it down just a little bit? You know, this guy's a Texan. We, we, he, I need a little more drawl on him. And I remember him laughing, going, actually, I naturally, I'm from Oklahoma and I tried to speed up because it's more natural for me to go slow. <laughs> So um, he he tweaked it, and I remember you you tried at that point to sell Jess, you know, as a partner, and I wasn't sure because I was still real, you know, just real new in the audio world, and I I was worried about taking advantage of having you know two of you on on the uh, the bill for kind of two for one sort of thing, and so I I, I pushed back and said no, we just we and so it was just uh, Trevor Tor La Petite Morning. <laughs> you got so many names. <laughs> Uh, that did Unchained Melody. But I think at that point, it kind of started our relationship. And so when I put up, I think we did Fire Lust next, or did we do Brooklyn next? Not sure the exact order, but it sounds, yeah. it sounds right. Well, you, you pick one and I'll go with it. <laughs> I, one or the other, but from there, and then on the next one, it was like, okay, I'm a little more comfortable. We got really good feedback. I was amazed with what he did with Unchained Melody and how he you know, brought that one to life. And so when I put the next one up again, I fire list, I put out for not, no fire list came after because Brooklyn blues, we had hit best, uh, bestseller and erotica. And I remember in the audition kind of blurb, you know, going, okay, you want to, you want to help me get to my next bestseller thing. Right. I want to say you, you popped in and just went ahead and said, Hey, I noticed you've got that up. You know, can we have the job? 
up and it was like, if you guys are willing and you have the time, absolutely. I'd love to work with you again. And so it, it's just kind of fallen through. We've done, we've now done Unchained Melody, Brooklyn Blues, which like I said, did hit um, Erotica bestseller at Audible. And then we did Fire Lust. And then once Ribbons and O's came out, we did this one. And this one, it was actually a little bit of a challenge because if, if you, as you've listened to it, uh, the hero in this is English. <laughs> so, you know, he had to bring out his, uh, his British <laughs> accent. <laughs> um, so that's four novellas. And then as he hinted at earlier, I think it was, we were, while we were working on fire lust, he was like, you know what, it would be really crazy or really, you know, have you, have you thought about doing a book where one of the main characters is an audiobook narrator? And it was, and that just kind of, Lit the, it planted the seed, it lit the spark, whatever, uh, because, yeah, there aren't a whole lot of stories that we've been able to come across where you've got a story about an actual narrator. Uh, it took me three years to write the thing, <laughs> but once I got it done, you know, I, of course, reached out and was like, you know, this is your guys' fault that this book is even written. So you you get first dibs at the um, the narrating project of it if you're willing to take it on again you know work it in uh, we've got it done it is sitting over in ACX in their review queue now so we don't know when it's going to be released because ACX has gotten a little slow slower with that but kind of the irony on this is uh, Wanted is my first like full-length novel since the trilogy it's just I've just had time to get short stories out between then. So this has been three years or three, four years since um, a full length book and where I normally do erotica wanted is not erotica. Right. It's about an erotic narrator, <laughs> but you know, other than some language, the sex scenes are more just kind of fade to black in this one. They don't go into the detail that all of my other books do. <laughs> it's, it's a lot more of a calmer book in comparison to what I usually do, what we've usually done. But uh, it's been it's been a blast. Trevor and his wife are am amazing. The two of them play off of each other really well, and you can hear it in the books they do together. Uh, so, <laughs> yeah, it, um, it, I'll jump in. I mean, so so Rachel's literally been with us, I think, from the beginning, and I'm I'm getting near 180. I may get close to 190 total books finished before the end of the. <laughs> end of the end of the year but that there, there's been a, there's been an evolution um you know even even on the production side and so i when you do when you do a duet there are different ways to do a duet and so um your listeners may or may not know there's you know there's just the single narrative and then there's um and you're doing all the parts male female everything then there's dual narration where you have the shifting points of view from chapter to chapter and then there's duet where you know, or you could even have multicast from duet, um, right? <laughs> that happens too. Um, I was, I recently was in a, in a, in a book where I was a, um, a Russian dwarf with, with a, <laughs> a, snow, a snow white character and a whole host of others and everyone had a different part. Um, but fun. So, so you can, you can do um, an in-person duet and that can be done with one mic where one person, um, reads it all and then the other person comes back in and splices their lines in and so you, you just have to kind of monitor volume levels and things this is the technical aspects of it <laughs> or 
or um, best practice is to actually get everybody in the same room and and they have different mics and and so Which you can cue it a little all harder up. nowadays <laughs> it is it is it so but actually um from from the early from from brooklyn and firelust to to wanted wanted is actually one of the first books that we fully produced with two mics in a newly built purpose studio so we've <laughs> the, the studio itself has evolved so in this particular case we were in a soundproof studio, treated space with um, with a noise canceling. Um, actually, there's a company called Audimute, which makes blankets that are designed to absorb all the noise. And so that separated us. And then I had a mic and she had a mic and we just kind of kind of went to town. Um, so our, our engineer yeah. really wants us to get the blankets for the walls. And I was like, aesthetically, <laughs> I just don't feel right about having blankets in my office. So let's find another solution. And she's like, let's just get the blankets. And I was like, mm, I want to see a cost breakdown of all the options before I commit to blankets on my wall. But it's if really, I had a separate really studio, rugs, uh, if I had a separate studio, it'd be fine. It's, you know, it's, it, the, the acoustics of sounds and so like so what what we've actually done in that space is there it's it's a square but you can actually sound boxy in a square and so so there's there's blankets actually running at angles to create odd spaces so the sound dies and yeah it's it's <laughs> Shawnee's um, in heaven it, Shawnee comes from an audiobook background and is <laughs> a music producer and singer and all yeah. this other stuff so so he's, he's talking so, no, sexy right now. He's like, he's look, we, sexy. we added, yeah, I know. We added I curves. Know. I know. Everything's not at the same level. It's not bouncing off the walls. I mean, that's the, that's sexy yeah. talk right there. <laughs> yeah. It's just, you, you, I mean, you, you, you want to create that space that it's not completely dead because then it sounds unnatural, but mm-hmm. you, you don't want all the, you know, reverberation and all of that. So, but no, literally with, with Rachel, we've, you know, from the beginning to now, there's been an evolution of, um, the production space, the microphones that have been used, um, all of it. So, so what yeah. I'm hearing is that you need Rachel to write a new erotic novella <laughs> so that you guys can read it to each other at the same time in the same room. Yeah, as part of your marriage. So I will. I will actually share something here that um, it wasn't with Rachel's, but with another book, um, we were narrating a scene and um, that, uh, yeah, transitioned um, in, in the studio. <laughs> yes. Um, and, and there are two human beings on this earth as a result of that. Um, <laughs> yes. Which, which, yeah, are, 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 um, yeah, we have two year old twins now. So you can kind of. <laughs> do <the> job. <laughs> That's the best. I'm going to, I'm just going to say to you. So when I, so I'm, I, I'm actually curious too, how you started with ACX and stuff, but, but my partner and I, when we first started uh, to do um, audiobooks many years ago, um, it was the same way. I actually heard a really bad recording on Audible and I was like, how did this get there? And that's how I found ACX. And I was like, okay, well, we produce music, we produce, we can, we can do this, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of how we started initially. And we were reading all these dirty books and I was like, this is wonderful for our sex. Like, this <laughs> <Yeah>. is amazing. <laughs> oh, for sure. No, it, it, I mean, if it, anywhere you're, that, that's one of the fun things about, um, you know, reading romance and reading erotica is that is that things that you may have never considered, you all of a sudden find yourself in a character who's inhabiting 
you know, something. And so, and, and the other thing too, is that, you know, I, I tell people all the time, the body doesn't lie. And so, <laughs> whereas, you know, in, in the real world, you, like, I'm never going to try that. I don't even know, you know, when you're in, the, when you're in the character, your body will or will not respond. And, and I'll let you kind of fill in the blanks of all of that. But, but you, you, you learn, you know, what, what are kind of those deep seated desires and needs that are kind of at the core of your being. And otherwise, I, I would have never learned things about myself, frankly. So that's awesome. So, like, so what did actually bring you to ACX or start like the whole journey of being a narrator and make like yeah. and make you want to? Yeah, sure. Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Um, I'll, I'll give kind of the short version of this. Um, um, I was actually a college professor believe it or not, at one point in, in, in life. Um, and, I, and I still work broadly in the publishing industry, um, apart from, from narration. Um, people said I had a nice voice, whatever. And the actual tipping point for me was I would go to this place to buy tacos every Tuesday. And, um, and when I got to the window to, to pay for Taco Tuesday, um, there would always be this gaggle of women at the window. And, and I, and I thought, wow, this is like, for a long time, I honestly thought this is really poor management because they, they do not need that many people at the window to, to, to service, you know, what's going on here. And then one day they forgot to flip the mic off and I heard the girl yell out, it's the guy He's with the board. <laughs> no, I'm serious. And, and so at that point I thought, okay, wait a minute, I, maybe there's some money to be made here. So I, I started off um, auditioning for voiceover work. And um, I did some political commercials and then it kind of got, Hey, you know, there's a lot of like, I remember the first thing I ever actually recorded that was in the romance genre was the library scene from the movie atonement. And I had no idea how you got into audiobook recording or any of that, no clue at all. And I, I just started posting stuff on YouTube and I don't know how people found it or whatever, but then someone finally messaged me and said, Hey, you need to go to ACX. And it kind of started from there. And then um, I still work through ACX, obviously. Um, also work with a lot of different publishers and producers now. But that's, that's kind of the short version of, of how it got. So, so the last couple of years, you've just like taken off. <laughs> it's been amazing watching. Yeah. Work with lots of different yeah, people and just, you know, pretty busy. And yeah, it's so, been fun. With ACX. You had a couple of awards last year too, didn't you? Oh, did I, you? I, I, I think so. I, I, did. I got a, I, a Sovas award, and I was an, an Audi finalist. Believe it or oh. not. So yeah, it's, it's, things are turning out. And so, um, and actually, I, I I produce audiobooks as well in a totally different genre. But um, a book that I produced is a is a finalist um, for a Sovas award this year, and maybe for an Audi too. We'll see. Awesome. Fingers crossed. Nice, nice. So, so did you have? Was there like a learning curve for you to figure out how to do to record yourself and oh, to like, yeah. like the studio and all of that? I mean, so I, I had, I had, you know, I was, I was a nerd's nerd. I mean, I was a college professor, and I had zero training. And um, I, um, this is embarrassing, um, but I, you know, originally we we bought a. It was one of these Yeti blue podcasts, you know, little, yeah, the audio, you bend your lips, you're like, oh my gosh, 
child. Um, but you know, it's, it's, it's all we knew and it's all we had. And then, and, and that, and that's, that's progressed. And now we need to use Neumann mics, TLM 103, both of us. And so, you know, you, you, you just, you, you kind of learn and you, and you learn, you know, about apps and you learn about software and how to position the mic for breathing and acoustics. And it, it, I mean, it's been just, you know, just a straight, you know, learning curve. Um, and along, and along the way, you know, I've, have had in the industry say, okay, there's something you're not doing, you know, you need to do. And some of it, you know, are things that the average listener probably would never even figure out, but I can go back now and listen and I can hear <laughs> like what was going on behind the scenes on, in June of like 2018. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, and as transitions were, were happening. And so, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's been good. And constructive criticism has been the best key, um, you know, constructive yeah. criticism. Constructive criticism. <laughs> well, I, I think it's always best. And I always like, I, I used to coach people how to start their YouTube channels and things like that. And people always be like, do I need to buy the most fanciest camera? Do I need to buy the, you know, and I'm like, no, whatever you have right now, start with that. If you have an iPhone, then, just, then just start, just the start with start. that, you know, um, and Bridget and I know how little you need to actually do a good job, you yep. know, doing something. So like the fact that you just started, you know, and you learn as you go. I mean, I feel like that's true for every field. Especially, especially cause like you don't want to invest all this money. And then like six months later, be like, I hate this. I, I hate this anymore. <laughs> yeah. It's better when you're like, wait, I love this. This is great. I'm starting to make money. I'm starting to get more clients. Okay. Let me get a better mic. Okay. Let me get a better, let me build a whole home studio. Yeah. Like that's no, and, a way and, better life plan. Yeah. I mean, no, and that's exactly, you know, I mean, you, you start off and we, we, we bought folding closet doors and made a circle and kind of like, you know, stuck and nailed, you know, things to, to and put something over the top. And now yeah. it's like, and now we have this triple wall bulletproof, <laughs> you know, <laughs> studio with, you know, I mean, you, you can, you can get sound into it, but you have to have a foghorn at the door at this point, you know? And so that, well, you got two-year-old twins. It, Those are foghorns. <laughs> I have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Let me tell you, they could get through any sound barrier. It's true. It's true, but no. I mean, I, I think your advice is exactly right. Um, that there are there are things I would tell beginning narrators that I just didn't know, but I didn't know where to go to learn the things I didn't know. You know what I mean? It's just um, yeah. You don't know what you don't know. You don't know the questions to ask. You don't know. And I definitely I do know what you mean about like looking back at things or um, because I deal in audio. Every time I listen to an audio book, my brain is in the like. It's, sometimes it takes me a minute to get into the book because I just hear all the audio things. Um, yeah. <laughs> a book we just we just read. Um, they had a lot of um, uh, uh, like uh, what do you call it? Mouth noise. Not not mouth noise, but explosives. Like it's all the peas. Oh, the, oh, yeah. You know, everything was hitting the microphone as I'm listening to the book, and I was just like, oh, like I just you need, need to back you. it up just yeah. a little bit. <laughs> like I need you to back it up. Get that. Get that. <laughs> I don't know what other authors do when I when I get the chapters and I go through I sit there with a notebook I mean you've seen Taurus mm -hmm. in the notes that I send back I will send back you know the the timestamp on where I heard a, an extra click or something or it repeats or I didn't quite like the, the delivery of the line wasn't 
as strong enough or whatever. You know, the the, the last one we're doing, there's one particular line that uh, she delivered it just a little calmer than it needed to be for what the scene was. <laughs> and it was like, let's I- ramp this up and just kind of make this phrase one word because it's a blah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they fix it. But I, I, I target the exact spot and I send them the list and then they go back in. But like he said, from Unchained Melody to Wanted, the number of stuff that I've had to send back has that the list has dwindled way down. You guys are sending me almost perfect things now. <laughs> it's like they, it's probably also I would imagine like getting familiar with your writing style and like the way you know like now that you've done multiple books I would imagine you're kind of like oh I already kind of know what vibe she's going to want for this <laughs> I already know what things like are important. Also, Rachel, I just want to say that's really important, and I'm very happy that you do that because Shawnee is exclusively an audio <laughs> listener. Exclusively does not read a book for this podcast. Only audio. I do all the reading, like of physical books. And Mm -hmm. they have been a couple books from like big traditional publishing houses, not Mm -hmm. in the authors who have to like figure out how to do it on their own, but like big publishers. And Shawnee's like, well, I didn't like that character because he was a big bro. And I was like, what book did you read? (laughs) Did we read the (laughs) wrong book? And, and it's, it is really astonishing. Like when the, and that those authors are like, oh, I don't even listen to my audio book. And I'm like, what? You got to at least like, I, listen and see what again i don't know if other authors sorry i don't know if other authors do this i i send them a highlighted color-coded by character (laughs) i highlight when they when we're changing who's got the the narrative you know because if it's if it's the male's character or is in that point of view for that chapter he'll do the narrative but she'll still come in with the lines that are the females and then you know when it flips to the females point of view mm-hmm. Jess will do the narrative where Taurus just dropping in with the male lines I try to at the top you know give a brief summary of the main characters kind of their age their their personality you know I, I spell it all out that's awesome them. I, I like people make everything easy for me. Just tell me what you want me to do. Just but that's also part of me that's part of the editor in me too. I'm just very you know I I, I like stuff to come to me for editing in a manuscript in certain formatting, whatever, so I can speed through it. I just figure it's, if you want your end product to be the best it could be, you've got to put your time in on your product as well. Don't You don't just count on the other people on your team. Everybody works together to get it out there. Tor, how long does it take you to actually uh, prepare for the character before you start recording? Um, It really depends upon the character. Um, If, if, you know, if there's a lot of like say Russian names or something, I mean, it's going to take you a lot of time to prepare. Um, I usually try to reach out to authors and and the responses you get are so varied when you reach out and say, Hey, do you have any notes or anything? And sometimes mini book about the character and the motivation far beyond the page. And then other times, again, depending upon the author, they'll say things like, I wrote that like eight years ago. And I just never got it into audio and just, you know, do whatever, you know, you think sounds good. And you're like, okay. Uh, and, you know, and then you just kind of, you know, you just, you just kind of roll <laughs> at that point. It's it just, it, it, every author is just, is, is so very different. I find yeah. it, do you I find read it. the book first and then go back and like, do you read the book cover to cover first and then go back and record? Yeah. So I, um, I, I do a kind of, quick skim read 
um, to get a sense, particularly if you're doing a dual narration where there's, you know, let's say a female or, or another male, whatever it is, that's in another place to kind of figure out, okay, how much am I really responsible for in terms of number of words to divide it all out? And then in the process of that, I've, uh, I've developed a kind of list of words that I searched the PDF for that help me get clues about voice and motivation. And they kind of, and you can kind of zero in then on characters. And so that's kind of the rough, this is what I need. And so then when I go back through it and read it a little more slowly before I narrate, um, then, you know, you can have a sense like, okay, this is coming here and that's going to happen. Um, and you can kind of get a nuance for that. The, the thing where I'm divided and narrators are a little bit divided, the, the rule of thumb is that you always read through and you do all the prep and have everything ready to go. Um, I've found, though, that if, if I know the book is going to have a twist, um, and I just kind of know that going in, and I don't exactly know what the twist is, sometimes I'll get do those steps, and then I, I'll choose not to read every single line. And I know that's like for, you know, bad form or whatever, but, but I, I've actually experienced that the surprise comes out in my narration like I'm, I'm, I'm living it the first time as it's coming out of, you know, um, and I, there's something to that. Um, you know, so sometimes narrators talk a lot about, you know, you can only act so much, right. And so that you, you try to find ways, whether it's moving your hands or being genuinely surprised or allowing yourself to kind of really get into emotions, but anything that you can do to really kind of pull out the genuine humanness makes it more genuine and less acting you know what i mean yeah i find what you just said like um you nailed this one thing that i talk about which is uh you just said like move your hands so when you're um and so i did this narrating but i do this a lot singing so when i'm when i'm making songs and i need an emotion or whatever like my whole body like i'm behind the camera just my whole body just into whatever is happening because you can't sing something but your body's not feeling sometimes there's like a disconnect. So you're trying to get your, you know, yourself into that mode. Uh, so I know what you're talking about. of just trying to like throw something of yourself into what you're doing. And it, when I, when I actually in my process of, of, of narrating and I'm still learning every day and learn from others, but I got to a place where I was moving more and then I had chair problems. <laughs> That's me. Right. Right. Because then your Shawnee chair is making me, Shawnee calls me fidget Bridget. I don't know if you can see how still I'm sitting right now. This so, is just for so Shawnee. I'll, I'll tell you how I, I, I actually, I was, I was following some other narrators and I ended up buying a really expensive uh, drummer's stool. And, and drummers, you know, are, are they, and they can move, but they can't, all of that movement can't get picked up or overcrowd what they're doing. And so I now have, it kind of moves with me a little bit, the drummer's stool. And, uh, you got a throne. <laughs> yeah, you do. And, and you kind of let it roll and do what it needs to do. And, you know, and it's not a unitasker because you can pull it out for rock band, right? <laughs> there you go. Good to go. Uh, awesome. Awesome. Well, Trevor, tell the people how they can find you and how, if we have any authors listening, if you need audiobooks, how they can find you or anyone who might be interested in connecting. Sure. Um, I'm, I'm really easy to find. Um, my email address is simply tortomnarrator at gmail.com. Thor, not Thor. Um, though if you call me Thor by accident, I won't be upset. Um, <laughs> um, but um, and then I, 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 my persona as Tor has an, a dedicated Facebook page as a person, 
And so in addition to myself, and then there's also a professional page, Tor Tom Narrator. Um, and then you can search Audible and find me. I'm also on Twitter. I um, have a pretty solid following there on Twitter, um, and as well as Instagram. Um, Tor Tom is on Instagram too. And so I post little clips there, sometimes little snippets of me in the studio. Uh, I'm excited. Twitter recently added, or at least I know they're slowly rolling it out, but they're letting people just voice things now on Twitter. And so okay. you can just talk and just listen, which is like narrator gold. Right? Hello. Yes. Yeah. Podcaster too. I'm like, I like this. I don't have to be yeah, a camera. So it's, okay. it's, it's, I, I've, I've not tested the limits or the bandwidth, but um, that is an option now. Cool. So, so also, what is uh, Le Petit Mort? Yeah, so I, I, I have I have a number of different names. Um, so <laughs> when I started, um, La Petite Mort is a, is French for the little death, which is um, a French phrase for female orgasm. And and so I I initially went under that name, and then I and then this is crazy Facebook, right? Um, I, I I created all the social media for that, and Facebook killed it because it wasn't a real person. And so <laughs> I no, I'm serious. Like they thought this is a made up name. This is bogus, whatever. Yeah. And so, and so I created Tortong um, and as passing as humanoid, human S, <laughs> I don't know. Um, and, and it's, it's, I've never had any problems. So that's, that's the evolution away from La Petit Mall was literally Facebook taking down my stuff. Yeah, that makes sense. And, well, kind of like, you know, you those of us that were in the we fanfic can't... world and went by fanfic names, you know, Facebook is like, nope, you're fake, you're fake, you're fake. Right. No, I'm not. I just would really not rather have my real name out there when I'm writing this kind of fanfic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, and but I yeah, think I'm, I'm, I'm available. I answer messages pretty regularly. So yeah, reach out to me. Happy to have conversations. Nice. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. This was so fun to listen and learn a little bit more and for our listeners to learn a little bit more about how it all goes down. And that like we suspected, you guys, erotic stories lead to erotic sex, which leads to cute little babies. <laughs> cute little babies. <laughs> cute little babies. It really happens. So anyway, thank you all. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, everybody. Um, and uh, enjoy thank the rest you. of your time. Thanks, Thor. Oh, gosh, that was so fun to be able to dip into that. I quickly want to change veins though and ask you about bdsm writers con because this is the first time i'm hearing about it and i'm intrigued yes. i like that the yes. award is called the golden flogger, flogger. <laughs> um, and i would like to know more tell me all the things um well actually i think they've they've kind of shut down the last couple of years uh dr charlie who was overseeing that um I believe she got breast cancer and just had to pull back. You know, she couldn't put into it as much. Um, they, when they were at the height of their stuff, they were actually doing conventions and, and all this stuff. I've never gone to one. <laughs> um, somebody, and I, I, to this day, I do not know who nominated Surreal, which was the third book in the trilogy. That's how I even found out about, out about BDSM Writers Con is because, like I said, Surreal got nominated and the advanced BDSM category. Um, and I ended up being a finalist in 20, 2015, I think it was, <laughs> for that one. Um, then 
2017 Brooklyn Blues was also a finalist in the novella category. That one, I you know, I have to own up. You you pay a fee to get your your book thrown into the into the pool to be looked at. After that, it's all on them. It's not one of those things where they have, you know, you don't come out onto Facebook or social media or whatever going, my book's up for this award. I need your vote. I need your vote. Please go vote. Please go vote. Go vote for me. You know, this is once it's in there, it is handed over to their panel and it's, they've, they've got, you know, lifestylers and readers and editors and stuff that go through, they all read the book and then they all make, cast their votes. It's not up to the author trying to beg for the votes to get the book, the award. <laughs> and I, I like that about it. And in the meantime, you have like a month and a half or whatever lead up of kind of promotion coming with it, because as they're getting down to where they're going to be showing their short list and then their winners, they of course have your, your books and you and interviews and stuff up on their website. So it's, it's like there's promotion that comes with getting, you know, being nominated in the thing which is why I went ahead and I put uh, Brooklyn Blues in. I didn't do it with Ribbons and O's because money was a lot tighter that year that that one came out. <laughs> and um, I and Ribbons was also the last BDSM one that I have finished to date. Like I said, I've got a few more striped stocking stories in the works <laughs> and there, there will eventually be more. There will be more to the trilogy down the line because I want to follow up on all the um, side characters, either backgrounds or foregrounds <laughs> so okay i mean i'm a kinky bro we just <laughs> you know if you didn't know um and so i want to know like how does one uh start getting into bdsm writing so how did you what what made you go you know what i'm gonna do some bdsm books like what what was the spark that made you go in that direction? Okay, going back to fanfic once again, um, I had stumbled into the world of fanfic and started reading. And the very, I think the first one I read was like it was Fifty Eight Nights or something. It it wasn't on the triple X level at all. It was you know kind of PG thirteen maybe maybe R, but it wasn't the in your face that we all know fanfic can be <laughs> and I but it, I, I started reading it was like well this was cool what else is there and I looked a little more and I found some more some racier ones and then you know some more that were even more risque and stuff and I was like well you know I wonder if I could find this and I just started having ideas because on my personal life BDSM exists <laughs> you know I'm, I we don't go out in the community and we're not out there in your face with it but my husband and I are practitioners you know and have been so we have that from the inside I understand having the relationship having the kids and having it be about more than just the physical aspects of it but, you know which you have to have the mental aspects for BDSM to really work <laughs> you got to understand that there's so much more to it um anyways started looking for the racier stuff that was more BDSM focused and there wasn't that much at the time because I started my my very first chapter went up in October of 2010 so it's been 10 years now that I've been writing it it was either that or the ones that I did come across did not portray BDSM correctly <laughs> <laughs> 
yeah, you know, yeah. and made it look more like the abusive setup, you know, and the lack of consent. And I went, you know what? I'm not finding what I want. Screw it. I'm going to write what I want to read. <laughs> and I, you know, dove into the lake and <clears throat> I'm still out here swimming. <laughs> That I think is awesome. One thing we've talked about on the podcast a lot are that that don't that we worry that people don't include in their books that include BDSM is the very like specific consent up front of like what's gonna happen, what's allowed, and like really spelling it out and like how that isn't necessarily like if I went and I'm not in a king relationship and went and met someone, I might just be like whispering some dirty talk in someone's ear. But if this is a king mm-hmm. situation, like I have to be like, it's not even that sexy at that point because it's pretty removed and it's a little bit more logical at that point. And then the other thing, which your book did really well is the aftercare, which Shawnee has been like telling me about how like you go through like such intense emotions mm-hmm. and then the afterward is just as important, making sure the person feels like safe and that they know that you're, like pleased with them and pleased with how it went. And I think, yeah. um, like I said, it's, it's not just physical there. There's a whole lot of mental. You, you, it's not the wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, you know, out the yeah. door. Uh, if you've had a really good session, you're, there's probably going to be some sub drop, you know, and with that can come crying that you, you don't know where it's, it's not tears of anguish or whatever. It's just your body is actually just, releasing and it's releasing everywhere and it includes your emotions it's just you slump you you might you know need to be curled up in a blanket and sleep for the next five hours you know you you might jump up and go okay i am starving feed me <laughs> you know it it, it kind of depends on how intense the session was and where you're at and how your connection with your partner or partners <laughs> um yeah ribbons and o's you're just one you, you if you if you go dip into the trilogy uh one of my marketing lines for that one is um it's something along the lines of you know discover the the you know all the kinks you, you didn't even know you had kind of thing because i i dip into we've got female female we got male male we've got groups of people we've got even where the main couple are devoted to each other they bring other play partners in at times, but things are spelled out. Everybody knows, you know, what the limits are and you test different things. Yeah. Um, in, in that one, that the trilogy is specifically, and I, <laughs> this is going to be the first time I'm going, you know, on record saying this, the trilogy was kind of my pushback at 50. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, because, needed, it needed pushback. It needed, yeah. uh, it needed pushback. Also, um, did you also feel like I did, which was you obviously were reading a lot prior mm-hmm. to Fifty Shades coming out. I was as well. And I had heard from a lot of people that it was like the kinkiest thing ever. Blah, 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 blah. So I was like, I was like, but I also had heard it was not very well written. So I was not excited to read it. So I was like, well, that'll distract me. So one of my friends had bought the series and she's like, well, just you love reading here. Just have them. I'm already done. I was like, fine, <laughs> I'll read it. And she had told me, like, she thought it was so exciting and so scandalous, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, you must be reading some vanilla-ass shit because this book is not that kinky. First not of, all, first of not. all, they don't actually have a dom-sub relationship. She never agrees no. to it. Yeah. And she, like, save, quote-unquote, saves him from something that you don't need saving from, necessarily. Although his character, 
I don't know, had, had a lot of issues on the page, but, uh, the I, I really think I that one like, should have been like, marked. I was like, he handcuffs romance. her for like five seconds. Yeah. Like that's it. I'm like, they don't get into any, he has this whole room and they do yeah. almost nothing in it. I'm like, <laughs> what's the point of the room? Take me in the room. people. <laughs> I mean, I think you're right. It should have been marketed more as a dark romance uh, for sure. And then uh, also the way it wrapped up in the end is like, so like they get married, yeah. but they never really discuss uh, the whole kinky shit of what's going to happen with that. Yeah. It's just like, I can't live without you. Let's get married. And, and they do, yeah. you know. And he's like, you want to come into the room? And I'm like, and do what? Because what did we agree upon? What's the same word? <laughs> yeah. What exactly is going to come out? Yeah, um, mine, the, the main character, she's, she actually got into BDSM in a consensual way. It went from there to the next person she was with wasn't a proper dom who actually abused her for a while. And so you, you do get some flashback scenes that get really graphic and they're actually kind of awful. And if people want to skip over the flashback, you can still understand the, the story and the character and everything without having to read the graphic flashbacks. But I was also just trying to get across the point of how dangerous it can be to get in with somebody that thinks that because they're calling themselves a dominant, yeah. they can just hit you and do whatever to you or with you or, you know, share you around or, or whatever. Um, she, she gets out of that. She's finally escaped from that and she's trying to live a normal life. But as most submissives are, <clears throat> excuse me, submissives find it's not a choice. It's, it's something that's inside you want, when you want to submit to somebody and you can only go so long without needing to find somebody to submit to. But after having gone through the abusive situation she's you know she's scared of what's going to happen if she reaches out to that world again um so she has to build up to it and the whole first the i love you's do not happen in the first book there are no i love you's it's them building up just a a partnership of dom and sub and learning to trust each other you know the second yeah. book is about them realize them both coming to terms with they have fallen in love with each other, you know, and him being the, the person that had multiple subs that didn't think he would ever actually fall in love or want to get married or have a family or anything. He'd always thought he would just, you know, be this top. Spanking folk, you know, just yeah. spanking folk. That's what he thought. <laughs> and, but, you know, between the two of them, they come around. She's, of course, she's fallen in love, but she knows that one of the things that was laid out at the beginning that was this isn't anything more than a, a play partnership, you know. Um, so she yeah. tries to hide her feelings because she doesn't want to lose him, you know. So you, you get the kind of the romance angle from that as it builds and builds. And like I said, it, it's not even until much later in the second book that you finally get that first, I love you, <laughs> out of these two. And then the third book is about kind of where it goes from there. The third book covers like three, three and a half years as they, they move forward and finally get married, you know, and, and all that stuff. Um, I think that's like uh, very important to add into the book because I, I go to... Um, a couple support groups. One is like um, a BDSM kink support group. One's like a polyam support group. Um, and I, I was lucky because 
I mean, it's, when I got into kink, it was not very long ago. I think I'm just pressing like a year and a half or something. And um, I I went to classes. I found BDSM 101 classes and I started going. So I got to hear very early on how to protect yourself in the process. Mm-hmm. But in the support groups, I meet a lot of people who did not go that route. And so their first uh, tops or D types were um, not true doms and, and did all sorts of, you know, crazy stuff. And they, and because they they were a sub, they thought they were supposed to go with it. They thought that that was what was supposed to happen because they didn't have enough information. Um, right. And so that's why that makes me happy to hear that in the books so that people understand that, that, you know, that happens more often than you think. And, uh, and what is the, the sub actually has the power, <laughs> you know, <laughs> we, we get the right to the call the quits, but there's the top can also, safe word there is top drop mm-hmm. you know uh it's not just subs that drop it you know tops can realize that it just got too intense and they'll they'll, they'll have to step back because their sub might be pushing more than they want you know the subs going give me more give me more give me more and the tops not that's wanting to go <laughs> I, I think and that's that's part of why it's also so important you know to get into your negotiations and stuff before you start the scene because once the chemicals and the hormones and stuff start shifting it it is akin to being high on drugs or being drunk or whatever and your decision making abilities kind of go in the trash Tony talks about so, that all the time she's like you can convince me to do anything <laughs> yeah there's like a limit where it switches and i was like things i would i would have said absolutely not to i'm like yes yes we can do that you're just floating along going yeah, yeah. yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's like but know that you're, you're you're counting on your dominant to um to respect your, your to respect that boundary. and not take advantage and you know that's why you don't play when there's drinking you don't play when there's drugs everybody needs to be sober everybody needs to be hydrated and fed <laughs> you know you have first aid kits on hand you have scissors on hand if you're messing with rope or binding or whatever you have ways to do quick um <laughs> Well, they could be play as well. <laughs> that that face expression there, Shawnee, was great. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you also have to have, be aware that at any minute, you know, the, the whole thing needs to shut down. And then there's going to be the emotional um, repercussions that are going to come from that. Yeah. You know, bad, hang, bad hanger, hangover could be there or, you know, you, you have I- a great night and you sleep for the next 12 hours. <laughs> Can I ask you as, cause you have children mm-hmm. and I always, so Shawnee doesn't have children. I do. And I always wonder, cause like as a parent, like I can't just like shut down a nap for five hours. Just like <laughs> everybody needs to eat. My kids are really little too. They're mm-hmm. three and one. So like everybody needs to eat. Everybody needs help going to the bathroom. Like, yeah, I can't just like leave them alone or like, I can't just like let's say we're playing at night. I can't just like wake up late. You know what I mean? Because Mm -hmm. I have to sleep and my body like needs it. So I'm wondering how that transition from like being a single person, but still playing and being in the community, like not in the community in the sense of like you go to other people, but like being Mm -hmm. with your, your husband and how that, how you kind of balance that. Um, or maybe it's getting easier as your kids got older because you just have more time they yeah, can take there, care there, of themselves. There's a, <laughs> there's a whole lot of that. Um, I've I've been home, you know, I, I write and I edit from home. My husband has a position where 
a lot of the time he can work from home prior to the shutdown. Um, he, he would travel, he would be gone for two or three weeks at a time. And I, I, my, my mom would hold, watch the kids and I'd go join him for a weekend. And so, oh, you know, we'd have nice. a weekend away or you, you just, you find the time, you know, you, you realize, oh, hey, we've managed to set up sleepovers for all of them. We've got the house to ourselves, you know. Get the snacks. Um, you get the water bottles. I'll get the scissors. <laughs> get the tarps. The get the tarps. <laughs> it just, you, sometimes it might be six months, you know, or a year before you can get in a really good scene or a really good weekend. You, you have to bide your time. And, you know, you work for it. It's like any other part of your relationship. You, you talk it out, you communicate, you I feel sometimes like, you have to schedule it in. <laughs> I feel you like know. that six months could be really titillating though, where you're just like <laughs> bouncing ideas the day that we do have it open. I'm thinking this, I'm thinking this, I'm thinking this. And like, like, yeah. I feel like that, like mental anticipation could be a real fun mm-hmm. exercise. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, you know, night whispering where we kind of build these fantasy worlds. And I, I won't deny that some of those main, you know, haven't found their way into my books. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there, there's there's inspiration. Rachel. That, you sound that, pinky, Rachel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, so when you're... <laughs> I'm like, we got to talk about books. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite part when you're writing the book? What's your favorite part to write? And then as you're building your characters also, like, where are you really pulling all of your inspiration from? What's, what is, uh, what gets your mind going? Oh gosh. I, I whenever I get the, ask the inspiration question, it's, it's literally, it could be anything. Um, going back to surreal, uh, I've, so I, I said, I mentioned I'm a pantser, not a plotter. Surreal was taking me forever to finish. And I, I, you know, I'd had the first, the first two books were already out. I had thought I was going to get the third book out a little bit faster. So here I had the readers going, Hey, 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 you know, when, when's third book going to come? Um, are, are we going to get this third book? Are you going to finish? And it's like, yeah, I'm working on it. Um, there were certain things that I knew I needed to, I wanted in the book and And with the way the book was going, I finally got hit a point where I had to have a timeline and fit a timeline for the things to fall into place where they did. So about halfway through Surreal, I finally said, screw it. I sat down, I pulled out a calendar and, you know, and stuff. And I went, okay, well, for this to happen here, things have to happen here. And I I kind of started plotting the rest of Surreal. One part I knew that um, he was going to take her to Japan to meet a mentor that he had met as a, a younger man that had helped him get into the Shibari and stuff. While he had he he wasn't the Shibari expert, he wanted to take her to the Shibari expert. And it's like, okay, well, I have them coming to Japan. And we were watching... It may have been KRA. It may have been Food Network. It was something where they they were doing a thing on ramen, and they went to Japan. And there was this there's this one uh, place where the chef there he he calls himself Elvis. The place is decorated, you know, with all Elvis things, and he's very insistent that there is no talking in his restaurant. 
And it's the kind of thing that it, his food is so good and so cold, sought after that you get there, you get your little token, whatever, you know, to wait your turn for a table to open. You, it doesn't matter if there's five in your party. If a seat opens, the next person in line goes in. So you're not necessarily going to get into this little ramen shop and all sit together. And you're certainly not, if you go in there and start talking or chatting while you're eating, the chef will yell at you. He will call <laughs> call out and, you know, tell you to shut up in his shop, whatever. And I'm like, what a perfect setup to have, you know, a remote toy situation Ooh. because there can't be any discussion. <laughs> They're probably not going to be sitting together when they go in there to eat. <laughs> and I'm like, I've just got what I needed to get my Japan chapter going. And it, it, that, that part of the book finally came together for me. And I had been sitting there for like two months at that point. I hadn't written on the book. And because I saw this this cooking special about this one restaurant. That sounds great. You know, it, it, I need to, when we're allowed to go back in restaurants <laughs> one day in the future, post-corona, um, that is That's, definitely an exercise I will be trying on date night. <laughs> I will. Uh, food and sex mix somehow. I, I, I am for it every time. Every time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Then you need to read the food critic. All your serotonin <laughs> levels are just like pee, 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 pee. Ooh, the food critic. Yeah. That's, I have not, I, that one is not in audio yet. That's like one, one of the few books I have mine that I've not had put into audio yet. It's, it's pretty much one long scene between a food critic and a chef <clears throat> in the kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, th- that whole aspect of not only would they not be able to talk or whatever, just the no noise, you know, and so he was able to the play with her. Any sort of restriction is so, I was telling Shawnee before we started this, we were just talking about other things, but I was like, I am not a sub. I don't know if you could <laughs> tell just from talking to me, but it's just not my natural uh, proclivity. And I think probably dependent on your dom and what the scene is and what the situation Mm -hmm. is. I'm sure there are aspects of it that I would like, but the, what you're describing that restriction of like, of there's like some sort of like, Oh, well, we're in a restaurant where you can't talk, but I'm going to torture you like that. I'm like, well, that I can get behind. You're you're, (laughs) you're out in public. So you need to keep your face, you know, that I can get behind (laughs) poker face. And it's, you know, you can't do the Meg Ryan sleepless yeah. in Seattle thing. <laughs> yeah. It was just, but yeah, it, it, like I said, I just out of nowhere watching it popped up on the TV and I'm like, I've got it. I know what I need to do. And so I, you know, I had them visit this restaurant <laughs> as part of their, their going to Japan. And so inspiration can strike from anywhere at any time. You never know. I'm uh, glad. I'm glad it's striking I, you, Rachel. <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I go, uh, nice heavy flogger. Johnny <laughs> <clears throat> uh, went to a uh, kink convention, I guess it was, right, Johnny? Where they were like demonstrating all Oh, no. So they have a thing called uh, Club Awakening, which is like a beginner play party. It's for beginners. So we were in our mm-hmm. 101 classes, they throw this mm-hmm. beginner party. So nothing crazy happens there, but they teach you how to like flog. They teach you how to like 
And they like, they call them tasting booths. So you can go somewhere to figure out how to like do slapping and um, yeah. cup, cupping and um, shibari and uh, all those types of things. Yeah. And so Shawnee's yeah. there. Shawnee's there with her notebook. Ooh, show me more. Yeah, I'm there like. <laughs> <laughs> you want to warm, warm up, you know, proper areas and avoid the kidneys. Avoid <laughs> yeah. the kidneys. <laughs> I mean, every, all that good stuff. As every, you heard cool. it here on Romance at a Glance. You need to avoid, avoid your kidneys. The kidneys. <laughs> the kidneys are very important organs. You need to avoid uh, them. Well, the, the the cool thing too is like now that um, because of because of Corona, it's making classes way more accessible to anyone all over the world. So I was I've taken classes in probably anything you can think about, whether it's from needle play to knife play to <laughs> with all the plays, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have a few friends that are, they're like, they know that they're kinky, but they haven't gotten into the community, right? And they don't know how to, and they don't know how to start. And they're also not in big cities. And so I've been able to send them links to the to online versions of these classes, you know, and all of them are finding their little kinky selves. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yay. You know, my, I, I, I've, uh, I use the hashtag long live kink, you know, and, <laughs> because it's it's out there and you know no kink shaming as, as long as they're adults and they're all yep. consenting yeah have at it you know yep. <laughs> and don't, have fun don't yuck anyone else's yum no. exactly <laughs> not for i always tell i always uh shawnee says that and i always say it's amy polar had this in her book not for you or not for me good for you. <laughs> if you're happy, that's fine for you. It's not for me. Or if you, you like it, I love it. <laughs> if you like it, I love it. <laughs> if you like it, I love it. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've gotten some, you know, reviews on the trilogy and the other books of, of, uh, how they were eye opening and not necessarily for that reader, but they could appreciate the information. They could appreciate how well written it came across. Yep. And that there, you know, that was enough for them to uh keep reading. I actually feel like ribbons nice. and O's would be a good one for people who don't know about kink because the main female character doesn't know yeah. about it. And then she meets a Dom and he's like, are you in the community? You know, do you know about this? And she's like, tell me more. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Let me tell you how I want to know all of it. And he, they're for, like, not going to spoil the book, but their first time together, he's like, okay, I'm going to like spend this time with you. And we're just going to do little things so I can see what you like, what yes. you're responding to. You give me a, like, what is it? It's like one through 10 or one through five. Yeah. Like if, if you like it or don't like it so that he could see like where, what things were like arousing her and what things she was like, not even, she was like, Meh, Yeah, you I do that again, I'm going to punch you back in the face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, that is like an erotic dream of someone just like all their energy focused on you. Like that's the dream right there. It's just someone <laughs> trying to figure you <laughs> out, nodding. you know? Yeah, me and, and Rachel are aggressively nodding at me <laughs> right now on video. Um, okay, Rachel, before we go, I do have a few questions about the moolah, the money, because we always like talking about the dollar <laughs> bills. So how, because you are self-publishing all the novellas, mm-hmm. are you like, tell us a little bit about the Kindle Unlimited versus charging a price for the books, because your books have, uh, are not in Kindle Unlimited, at least not currently, the ones that we were reading. Um, the BDSM books are not in Kindle Unlimited. Uh, Brooklyn 
ribbons in the trilogy and wanted because it's my most recent one and i wanted is the one i've actually dumped the most money into i went ahead and bought the 10 pack of isbn you know <laughs> and wanted is the first one that has my isbn on it right. um the others, you know, I just used because back then we, when I did those, we still had create space yeah, and, yeah. you know, just got those issued to it. The other books, Unchained Melody, uh, Fireless, The Food Critic, uh, Slots, um, <laughs> oh, my, my, uh, my alter ego, I'm a sinner, where I did a kind of a, a satiric cocky gate novella uh those are all on kindle unlimited or 99 cents and it's just because they are so short they've been out there so long at this point it's easier just to put them over in kdp um i very rarely see kdp page reads i don't know why they're they're in kindle unlimited and it might be at this point that they're just they're so old everybody who is wants to read them has read them <laughs> you know they're uh, but I, the BDSM ones, and like I said, wanted are, they're more my babies. And so I want them on a wider platform. I have to, you know, to get to ACX, they have to be on Amazon because the, the two are linked, which is how I got into doing ACX. Um, I've been fortunate enough at this point that the uh, narrators have done royalty share with me. So I've not had to come up and, you know, front the money, but I've, I try to do my best to push any books that they've worked on um, with Tor and Jess, especially each time we've done one, I've sent them a set of the, the actual print books, one for them to keep themselves, but then they'll sign a couple and send back to me. But as the audiobooks come out, we'll do giveaways that have, you know, the book signed by all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, Brooklyn and Blues, um, Ari over in, um, I think she's Oral Fixation, maybe. She she really freaked out on Brooklyn Blues. She she absolutely loved it when it first came out. And she'd thrown something out about how she, she just kind of wanted to get a little pair of striped stockings and curl up with this book and read. And because she had just been so enthusiastic, I think she she had a lot to do with us getting the bestseller on it because she couldn't stop talking about it, you know, for, for a couple of weeks there after she'd read it, listened to it. Um, so I, I went out of my way to go find a pair of stockings and I got the book together and everything. And I signed them and I sent them over to, to Tor and Jess and they signed them. And, you know, we surprised her by sending her this packet. Oh, so fun. she's got a pair of thigh highs that have our signatures on them. It. And she actually put them on and, you know, took a picture and was, <laughs> you know, shared it. It was all excited about it. Um, and I think I've just completely got off topic. I forgot where I was going. Oh, we're, that was the topic. That's the topic. This is great. What, uh, um, is there a, a dollar amount? Like, cause you still take editing jobs. Is there like a dollar amount where you'd be like, oh, I'm going to just full-time write so that you can publish more books? Or do you think you'll always edit? Uh, the books definitely need to sell more. I, I'm not, sell, I'm not writing books for the money. I mean, I, th I think like right now, I think my KDP is sitting at about $5 for the month in royalties. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really, I, I make more from the audiobooks, but even in that it has started tapering off. Um, the, yeah, the writing is not where the money is at for me. I just, 
I don't sell that many books. Um, the editing is where I get the money that I put back into like shipping these things and doing the gifts and doing the giveaways and, and whatnot, because that, that's kind of the deal. My husband doesn't push me to actually go back to a desk job, but I'm not allowed to spend the house finances on the frivolous book world stuff. So when I'm ordering swag, when I'm going to book signings, you know, my, my table fees and all the goodies and stuff that I put out on the table, um, all that has to come out of what I've made from the books and or editing. And then we call it even. <laughs> and I get to keep doing this. Hey, that's it, man. That's because you love to do it. That's the same with us. We, you know, our podcast is new. We're not earning enough money to replace full salaries yet, but we love it. And so what money we earn from other jobs and consulting and writing that we do, yeah. we, you know, put into our podcast. Yeah. Uh, Rachel, why is it that you chose to use your initial? That one, I'm not really sure other than um, I knew I wanted my name on it. I didn't know if it was going to be one book or, you know, I'm now up to with wanted it's 13 books, you know, which is more than I thought initially going into this that I would ever publish. But on the off chance that I only ever did one book, I wanted my name on it. And, you know, so it, it's my name. Yeah. <laughs> um, the initial thing, I, I guess, is just was kind of a, to differentiate it a little bit, you know, from to kind of make it more professional <laughs> yeah, and, and leave it vague. I mean, obviously I don't hide that I'm female or whatever, but there are some people that'll pick up a book and they might rather have a male author for whatever reason, or, or maybe they would just rather not know if it's a male or a female. And that, that initial setup leaves it vague. <laughs> you know, it's funny. There are quite a bit of men who are writing um, romance so when mm -hmm. I was when I was uh, narrating through ACX, there were quite a bit of like manuscripts that were written by men that were coming through with female names, um, and I was like, "Oh, you got so tricky!" But to me, I could you can always tell a story <laughs> written by a dude versus written by a woman. Like they, there was like anybody reading it could could go like, "I feel like a dude." This is from a male gaze. Like this right here is clearly from a male gaze, but I was actually kind of shocked at how many guys prob probably feel like they can't be in the romance community because they're men. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're like, it'd be one thing if they were writing, you know, sci-fi or motorcycle or, you know, that action thriller, mystery, horror, whatever. But yeah, to start pinning romance is like, oh, oh, dude. <laughs> You know, I, I have some, one of the things I have to do with, with my authors is when they're trying to write the male, you know, they're, they're writing their male point of views and they'll have the guy walk into the room and look over and they see her, you know, in the, the A-line chiffon dress with the bouffant, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, okay, let, let's back it up. Is, is your guy really going to know the style of the dress, yeah. the, the, the haircut, the, 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 the designer? I mean, let, let, let's be a little bit realistic yeah. here you're cut you know this most guys are going to just look over and see her like in the hottie in the green dress right <laughs> you know with the with the wavy long brown hair or whatever they're not going to be detailing the brand of shoes and you know what type of jewelry she's wearing and 
and all that stuff. He's there. He's just going to appreciate that she looks good. Right. <laughs> Same thing with furniture. They'll come in and start describing, and it's like, okay, unless your um, your character a is a or, designer or yeah. you know a historian or something that specializes in this, I really don't think they're going to come in and start discussing what the wall, the shades of the you know eggplant or like I tell Bridget. Or, I tell Bridget all the time, right? I don't care what an author describes anything as. My brain will make the world and it could look nothing <laughs> like what you described. So like, mm-hmm. I, I like we were talking about, I think during J.R. Ward's book um, and, you know, she describes this mansion and how the staircases are and all this. I heard mansion, there's some staircases. <laughs> Boom. It's and like, that, that real long cement thing that leads underground, you know, to the yep. outside on the yep. other side of the gate. Yeah. <laughs> And you, you create it. I don't need the author to give me too much description ever. You know right. what I mean? Oh, are we in a forest? Great. Forest. Maybe. <laughs> you know, like when okay. they're sitting there like in the mushrooms and I'm like, come on, this is getting yeah. me to the story. Yeah. I got you. I'm my way ahead of you. Okay. I got yeah. made this forest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> give, I, you know, uh, yeah. Another thing I tell my authors, give your readers credit. The readers are not stupid. They do not need every last thing spelled out. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for saying that. Because I always say, like, give me, like, the, give me, uh, assume I'm not, like, I'm intelligent. Like, yes. um, I always, there's books we've read where I'm like, I think this author thinks I'm stupid. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, that's how I feel reading it. And then it turns me off to a book because I'm like, you know, it's just, yeah, you don't have to spell everything out. Everything doesn't have to be explained. You can, you can infer things and people can make the leap and go with you on the, on that. And if they can't, maybe they'll actually go look something up and learn something new if they don't quite get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it, it's a balance, but yeah. Like, yeah. Throw in, throw in a glossary. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> So Rachel, one of the things we've been asking um, our authors is about their own happily ever after. And if they have any advice on sustaining either meeting or sustaining since you have been with your husband for a long time, um, a long relationship. Communication and understand (laughs) he's walking through the room right now. (laughs) (laughs) So he just, he he just heard that question. Um, Communication is the big one. Um, You have to realize that you're both going to have bad days. Hopefully you don't have your bad days on the same day. It's a give and take. Um, I met him in advanced algebra in high school. He's he's 6'4". Was 6'4 at that time. So imagine a 6'4 person in those little high school desks. Uh, (laughs) I had come in second semester. So the classroom was pretty much already filled up. And when I got there the first day of the second semester, uh, was just looking for an open seat. I I, I happened to be in front of him. And (laughs) he didn't fit. And anytime he tried to move or whatever, his knee would actually hit my butt. And I hear this, oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. And he kept to himself and he he doodled all the time. And um, the guy that sat next to him, for whatever reason, really wanted to, to date me. I was, I was a shy person. I didn't date. I, you know, I was, I was like, okay. Uh, 
And I'd go, well, maybe, um, let me see, let me check my calendar. And I, I always was able to come up with an excuse to say no. I finally got to the point where I was like, screw it. Okay, yes, we'll go to lunch. You know, we'll, we'll, go, do, we'll go do lunch. That day, um, <laughs> I, was, I was one of the advisors for the Naturalist Club. And our meeting ran, right before we went to lunch, our meeting ran a little bit long. And I needed to talk to a couple of people. And so I was like five, five minutes or so late getting out of the room and old dude that I was supposed to have met. I heard his little moped thing zipping off. <laughs> he got, he got mad, figured I had stood him up, you know, and, and he zipped off and I was like, well, shit, you know, I was like, I finally had said yes. And, and I knew I still had to face this guy because advanced algebra was the last period of the day. And so I dreaded the rest of the day working up to the last period, got in there and I, you know, shuffled over to my seat and I sat down and, you know, Mike promptly uh, bumped me with his knee again. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I was like, that's, that's okay. And then I'm sitting here and in comes the guy that, you know, I was supposed to have had lunch with and you could see it on his face. He, he was livid and oh. he comes over, you know, and he slams his book on the desk <laughs> and he's like, if you didn't want to go to lunch with me, you could have just said no. And I'm like, you know, I don't do good with raised voices. And I don't, I, I'm, I'm an empathetic type person. I don't like making people feel bad. You know, I want everybody around me happy. It's real hard for me to say no. And I'm, I'm like, I, I was sitting there and I didn't know what to say. I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. And Mike speaks up with, does she have to draw you a picture? And I looked over It's the first time I really looked at him. Um, <laughs> and yeah. From that point on, it it shifted. It, Andy, the other guy, just completely let it go at that point. Never asked me again. It's like that one phrase shut him up. He quit trying to ask me out. But my attention at that point had focused on Mike. And I spent like the next month trying to figure out this, his schedule. Anybody, uh, all my friends, you know, I figured out who had classes with him when so that I knew where he would be when on the campus. Mm -hmm. And when I was finally ready to make my move, because he had said something at one point about, you know, he thought he was a dork and nobody wanted anything to do with him. He's like, you know, you wouldn't even talk to me in public. You only talk to me, you know, here in class because I'm, you know, you're right here next to me and you have to. <laughs> and I actually have... a a whip started eventually I'm going to write this whole story out as a YA romance thing oh my god um, yeah, but yeah it took like a month using my friends to plot out where he was when uh, my best friend is the one that drove to school in the morning she picked us up and we're like okay we've got to get there early today because they walk between these buildings between this time and this time and we, we plotted it out to get there and <laughs> And sure enough, as we're coming across the campus, I see him and his best friend, you know, like clockwork, going where they're supposed to be going. And Debbie, my friend, kind of stood back <clears throat> and I <gasps> ran up to him and went, I have said, how do you blow a bite? <laughs> you know, and I, I remember seeing him just kind of left standing there with this look on his face, like, what just happened? <laughs> and I ran back to Debbie, beat red, you know. And again, you know, didn't see him again till the end of the day. And he was like, um, it was nice seeing you this morning. I have no idea what you said to me. <laughs> and I was like, um, I said, it was, hi, I'm saying hi to you in public. Bye. <laughs> and we just, you know, 
he was like, oh, okay. And we just, it, it kind of went from there. Uh, yeah. We were married, we, uh, we were married in 94. So we are at uh, 26 years. Wow. <laughs> of marriage. We've been, oh my goodness. We've been together since we were 16. Wow. Holy <laughs> cow. That's, first of all, that's an amazing yeah. story. Second of all, you both are kinky. <laughs> That's who, 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 who was the first one to be like, so I'm thinking about this thing. Who brought out the flogger first? Yes. I'm just saying. <laughs> who gifted that, who something? That for was Christmas? probably me. No, I get, um, <laughs> I, I think it was me. As, as, as I got to the point where I started writing the stuff and becoming more aware of it and, you know, realizing. We, we've talked about it and went out. And as we looked back on things in our relationship, back on things in our, you know, childhood and our upbringing, it's, it's like, oh, well, the clues were there, weren't they? Like when we pulled a belt out and played with a belt, and, you know, little, little things that we did that we thought we were just being a little more creative, not even realizing at the time, because we were, you know, late teens that, um, this is that's where we were headed yeah um there's an excellent movie it's a uh, uh professor marsden and the wonder women mm-hmm. great i think one. is the name of it about it's you know the kind of the it's where wonder woman came from but there's a whole lot of bdsm kink in that story mm-hmm. his, his yeah <laughs> it, it's a really good movie. You need to go watch it's a it really if you have it. Oh, I'm going to watch it. It's uh, I just I just it, wrote it, it down. It, it, it's very eye-opening. <laughs> when when you, again, it's just one of those. Oh my God! Yeah, that was kind of all right there in front of us the whole time. But yeah, unless you're thinking that way, or you have you'll the miss education it. too, because like if you <laughs> like, it's not like you were probably in school like learning that that was even existed. You know what I mean? I don't know where you grew up, but maybe they weren't even telling you that you should be on birth control or use condoms or like, you know, (laughs) like it's not like the American education system is really giving people, uh, do it, doing teenagers and young people a service of saying like, Hey, these are, there's a lot of different ways to have sex and a lot of different ways to do these things, a lot of different ways to feel good. And I learned from romance novels and, you know, that just just wasn't a good thing. My my parents got divorced when I was three. I was raised between my my father uh, as as a younger child. He committed suicide when I was 12. So my my mother took over after that point. Um, And so then it was just single mom and me because I don't have any siblings. It was just the two of us. And I she she didn't really. I mean, she she promoted open conversations and stuff, but she didn't really encourage them. It was more a, if you have questions, ask. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't, let's, let's sit down and talk, let's whatever. Um, his mom would be at the grocery store with him, you know, or he'd be at his, at the grocery store with his mom and she'd, she'd point at the things and go, Oh, by the way, do I need to get you some condoms? You know, and she'd just throw it out there and he'd be like, mom, mom. <laughs> No, I'll take care of that myself. Thanks. <laughs> no, <laughs> it was a little more open on his side than it is was on my side. So it's it's part of why I think I've I've been more shy about it. Um, we have our three children. We've got two boys and a girl. 
we've been very open with them. You know, if you have, if you have questions, if you have concerns, let's talk, let's, you know, we openly talk about things as they come up on the TV or whatever. This day and age, there's just so much more that's out there. You know, it's put out there whether, so whether you want your kids exposed to it or not, they're probably going to get to exposed to it. You know, social media, TV, it's out there and you need to be prepared to have those conversations with your kids. Um, I don't remember if it's if it's in Ribbons and O or if it's in Brooklyn, but at one point I I have them you know actually say that if if you can't openly talk about it then you're not ready to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know you got to be able to have that conversation. It's communication, funny. communication, communication. Yes, and I and I find that like once I learn like micro communication, like that term and then what that means in terms of communicating how how to communicate with each other. Yes. That was a game changer in terms of communication uh, for me um, and having like trigger words for things um, mm-hmm. that that mean a whole phrase. So you can say one word like uh, mm-hmm. ducky and ducky means like, hey, I can't <laughs> talk right now. I'm, I'm overloaded. I don't want to or some or hand signals, things like that. Um, yeah. Those have been like a game changer, especially for, for me, because I have sensory um, like processing things that that are difficult. So sometimes I just can't hear words like, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that like micro communication stuff is good. But I, I always look back to this moment when I was like, I don't know, I think I was like 13. And I was like in, in my own head going like, one day I'm going to have, have a partner. I'm a time to the bed. I'm just hoping like, and I, I had no reference for this. I'd never seen someone tied to a bed. I'd never seen the whatever. This was just in my whole mind. I would create these scenarios and whatever. And I look back and I'm like, man, you were the kinky ass little kid, man. Little <laughs> <laughs> you know? And it was like, like you said, it's always there. And like, um, and I got to a point just where I, it, like, I kept saying like, if I don't express this way, I feel like I'm going to explode. Like, yeah. Yeah. Or suffocate. Like I just felt that way, you know? So it is like, it, I feel like it's, a driving need. It's it's a born this way thing. You know, if, if it's in you, it's in you. And one way or another, it's going to come out. <laughs> you'll, you'll find a way you'll find, you'll find the person or your people or, you know, yeah. And or your books by <laughs> R.E. Hargrave. <laughs> Rachel. Thank you so much for being here with us. This has been a real delight. Yes. <laughs> I'm excited. How do, you feel, how do you feel after? Do you feel a little more relaxed? You were nervous before. Now what's the after feeling? Are we? Oh, I, I'm, I'm very sweaty right now, <laughs> <laughs> but I'm, I've laughed a lot. I feel, you know, I've, I've told you guys, you've, you've got secrets out of me that I, I've <laughs> <laughs> not do made that. on we air. So do that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm tickled to hear how this actually all comes together. And uh, I really, I, I can't say thank you enough when you guys reached out and said that you wanted to do this, like I said, for ribbons and O's out of all, all the stuff that I'm known for, because ribbons and O's really doesn't have that much um, attention on it. Like yeah. I said, it's, it's got a few reviews, but get it. it's a middle child. We get it. It's a middle child. Yeah. yeah. Well, hopefully we'll get mm. some more reviews. Awesome. It was lovely having you. It was lovely being here. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for hanging in with us, romance readers. Head over to Instagram to continue chatting with us. We're super friendly. We want to cackle with you. We want to know what your favorite sex scene was. And we need more book recommendations. If you want to read along with us, go to our website, romanceataglance.com, to see what we're reading next. And we'll see you next podcast.